Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, Miles Sherry, Senior Investment Consultant, talks to Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer, about whether the cut to US interest rate speaks of trouble ahead, what role, if any, President Trump had, and the current plight of the German economy. So another week flies by as we race into August and as ever, lots to discuss. So where to start? Well, we won't be reviewing Greg and Amber pipping Tommy and Molly May to the Love Island crown or be previewing the Ashes series kicking off this week as there's lots more interesting stuff to talk about. We're going to be focusing our attention on the first event in a decade. So that's right, the Federal Reserve, commonly known as the Fed, which is the US central bank, has cut interest rates by 25 basis points, with more still expected by the markets in the coming months. We'll review whether this is a panic move or a sensible insurance cut, and what it ultimately means for us as UK investors, if anything at all. We're also grateful to have had some requests from our subscribers, asking us to touch on the plight of the German economy, and whether the wider continental European economy is actually in a worse state than many seem to realise. To digest all of this and throw some light on these complicated subjects, I'm pleased to be joined by Will Hobbs, our Chief Investment Officer. Morning, Mars. So, Will, let's kick off, shall we, with the big news of the week, which was the Fed's decision to cut interest rates. Now, interest rates tend to come at the end of an economic cycle, don't they, when central bankers are essentially trying to cushion the economy from the effects of a recession. So is this what prompted the Fed's action this time around? Uh, yeah, Miles. I mean, I, I would say um, that the big news of the week was actually the fact that uh, England decided to leave Jofra Archer out of the Ed Baston <laughs> test. But uh, let's go on the Fed because that's what we're uh, that's what we're paid to talk about. Um, and yes, yeah, so you had an announcement um, of a cut of twenty five basis points. That's a quarter um, of a point. Um, it is interesting because leafing through um, the reaction to this move and the accompanying statement and press conference from uh, um, from the other banks and investors, um, you find a wide range. Range of interpretations. Um, some are saying that uh, Chair Powell's uh, comments uh, confirm the likelihood of further rate cuts um, coming down the pipeline. Others say exactly the opposite. Um, to us, uh, the US economy looks pretty good. Um, sure, inflation is a bit below target, um, but I think important not to get too carried away uh, with the decimal point here. Um, we're simply not good enough at measuring uh, inflation to talk authoritatively uh, beyond the first decimal place. Uh, round everything up to uh, uh, to one decimal place and uh, inflation is roughly at 2%. Now, most important for us in terms of that sort of defence, you know, that you mentioned about the sort of likelihood of recession, uh, and, and in terms of that defence against an imminent US and global recession, is still that rosy-cheeked health uh, of the U.S. consumer, customer number one for global PLC, uh, and actually sort of, you know, the wider U.S. private sector, so consumers and businesses. Okay, now you only need to keep an eye on President Trump's Twitter feed, don't you, to see just how vocal he has been on the need for lower interest rates in the U.S. So is there a sense the Federal Reserve is simply caving into his pressure? Looking at his Twitter account after the event actually happened, it seems that perhaps they disappointed him a little bit. Well, yeah, yeah, there was a bit of that. Um, But uh, there's there's three points to make here, roughly speaking, I think. Um, You know, the first point is that um, this is rational. Um, Of course, President Trump wants lower interest rates. you know, particularly in the context of the fact, if you think about it, that interest rates tend to, you know, they don't take an immediate impact on the economy. They tend to be absorbed over a couple of years uh, into the economy. So a series of cuts now, if you think about it, um, would 
perhaps give the economy a nice juicy boost uh, as the campaign trail uh, heats up for next year's presidential elections. The second point is that it is precisely because of this um you know, this agency problem or motivation problem uh, that most major economies have now prized decisions on interest rates uh, out of our elected officials' hands. Um, the third and final point, um, I think here, uh, beware of succumbing to the kind of um, nostalgic argument that our elected officials uh, were purer on this front in the past. Uh, we now know, for instance, that President Reagan's chief of staff, Jim Baker, we've mentioned this before, uh, with Reagan actually in the room, ordered then-Fed Chair Paul Volcker, the legendary Paul Volcker, uh, not to raise interest rates ahead of the 1984 election. Uh, so this isn't a new game. Um, I guess just President Reagan didn't have Twitter. Okay, now that is uh, all very interesting. But let's be honest, ultimately what our listeners are probably going to care about is what all of this means uh, in regards to markets and more specifically their investment. So I guess the, the basic question is, should we be using this as a buying or selling opportunity? Uh, well, not, not specifically. I mean, I think you want to be quite careful um, of kind of, you know, trying to trade these events. Um, they're generally, uh, this is, uh, you know, the clever money, so-called clever money always thinks that it can make a turn out of this. It's very difficult. Markets can move very quickly in these uh, these events. But it is interesting from a kind of market perspective as the moves markets made in the immediate aftermath uh, of the announcement and the press conference and so on tend to share a little bit of light um, on how investors were positioned going into the event um, uh, and what they were thinking. And to us, I, I, you know, nothing from last night has changed our view um, that long-term interest rates look very expensive, too ready for a recession, um, that the data is still not speaking convincingly of. Um, it's a little bit like, I mean, I think if I use an analogy, um, the other day we, uh, my wife and I were driving with our two children uh, up to Scotland. Um, and we'd been in the car, we were driving from Brixton, uh, we'd been in the car for four hours, uh, and we'd made it as far as Hammersmith. Um, and that was the first time my daughter asked, are we nearly there yet? Now, of course, she was measuring it in time. Much as many people are looking at the global economy or the global economic cycle and saying, well, it's 10 years old, we must be near the end. Uh, but actually, there have been some traffic jams along the way. Uh, and there may still be some road to travel. I'm not saying all the way to Scotland, but uh, there may <laughs> still be some way to travel on this one. I think that's worth bearing in mind. Very nice analogy. So clearly no real short term opportunities then. But is this likely to directly impact the UK economy, if anything? Yeah, I mean, not really, to be honest. I mean, US interest rates are very important to the world economy. This is the sort of, you know, the uh, the world as close as the world has to a central bank, um, uh, you know, a global central bank. It's the most important of the lot by a distance. But um Interest rates are already very low across all um, maturities in the UK. And actually, the UK is in a slightly different situation. You've got a bit more inflation in the UK and a bit less growth, a slightly or more robust inflation and uh, a, a less robust um, growth. Um, Brexit is obviously uh, complicating things uh, a little bit uh, in terms of uh, central bank uh, theories here. So something which certainly means a lot for the UK economy is Germany. Now, they are one of our largest trading partners. And to put it lightly, they seem to be in a little bit of a funk, don't they? Mm -hmm. So what is actually causing all of this? And I guess, do we think it will end anytime soon? Um, yeah, Germany is very interesting. Um, there's been a, and, you know, if you look at what's happened over the last, uh, you know, last while, um, there has been a sort of sharp drop in manufacturing confidence um, around 
the world. Uh, and Germany um, is a very important, you know, manufacturing is extremely important in Germany. So, so Germany has suffered from this. Now, some are arguing that this fall in global manufacturing confidence is all kind of down to um, the trade war, you know, trade tensions between uh, the US and China, and therefore the world's manufacturers are feeling less confident about the future and less willing to invest. And so that's having kind of ripple effects. Um, now, others, there are other views on this, and some say that this is kind of, uh, you know, the ups and downs of business confidence, and we're currently in a down or maybe in a sort of leveling out phase. Um, but the ups and downs of the business confidence are just the normal jagged teeth of the business cycle. Um, you know, in part, this is a function of stock rooms and inventory. If you think about it, stock rooms fill up, uh, then they run down. And this creates ups and downs in demand and confidence. Um, it, may, it may be a bit of both, uh, to be honest. But I think, interestingly, if you look at Germany's export performance, um, and a lot of the export weakness in particular is explained by idiosyncratic problems in two of Germany's kind of major trading partners, um, German, uh, Turkey and uh, and Britain. Uh, and if you look at other parts of the German economy, uh, you know, the consumer, the housing market, it, it looks okay. So we're not too worried about the German economy at the moment, I have to admit. But there are, you know, Europe in general is going through a slightly sort of darker economic patch. There's no doubt about that. Okay, and then looking at Europe more widely, the idea of the breakup of the European project seems to be on the tips of everyone's tongues again, doesn't it? The end of the euro, if you like. The UK seems to be the first exiting this apparently splintering club, but how would our economy fare if others follow suit? Um, yeah, Mars, this is a very difficult question to, to answer. But I think the first point to make is that we would probably share Europe's fate in terms of whatever economic repercussions there were in Europe. Europe, whether we're part of the, Euro, uh, the European Union or not, um, its proximity and its importance to us as a trading partner would mean that we would share um, whatever fate they had. Um, most people seem to argue that the breakup of the euro would be kind of you know, an economically savage event. You'd have a huge liquidity drain, which would create all sorts of... Um, uh, all sorts of problems. So it, whatever our views are in the European Union, I would argue that we shouldn't be wishing for the breakup of the euro because that would be very bad for our own uh, pockets. Bleak views indeed there will, but the natural question is, in reality, is this likely to happen? Uh, well, we think not. We think people underestimate um, the kind of weight of history and the lack of credible alternatives with regards to Europe. Um, remember that this is a project that wasn't dreamt up a couple of decades ago by some grey-faced bureaucrats. You know, this is something that's been uh, in motion, uh, you know, since the end of the Second World War. Actually, the first mention of the euro comes up between the two world wars at the League of Nations. Um, and the other thing is that, I mean, this is a point we regularly make, but there are much sort of perhaps grander, uh, longer historical forces at work here. There was a, uh, an academic called Robert Wright um, who wrote a book called Non-Zero, The Logic of Human Destiny uh, back at the turn of the millennium. Uh, and in it, he argued um, that back in kind of 1500 BC, bear with me, there was about 600,000 individual political authorities around, um, around the world. And by the time he got to writing his book in 2000, there was just kind of 192, 193. Now, the point here is that... Um, uh, you know, the many forces of globalization um, are kind of driving uh, humankind to less and less political institutions, political monetary institutions, you know, so uh, the increasingly global nature of the threats we face uh, continue to force these kind of the creation of global institutions and uh, less and less kind of political territories. Um, it, it's not inconceivable. I mean, you know, we're not going to be, you're not going to see a single global uh, sort of monetary authority anytime soon, but it, it's not inconceivable to imagine that the increasingly global nature of the threats we force face from pandemics to global terrorism, global financial crises, you know, the, the, you could, you know, continue to force a more globally organized response mechanism. I would see the Europe 
European Union is potentially part of that trend, something that the US has done previously. In a post-revolutionary war US, you have a loose confederation of states, some in heavily indebted, all operating at different economic uh, trajectories. Uh, and that's when Alexander Hamilton, you know, of the you know, musical fame, um, sort of kind of managed to unite the economy and uh, all those kind of things. So so that Europe is an unfinished project, no doubt about it. But we still think it's better, you're, you're likely better off betting that it continues rather than breaks up. Great stuff. Thanks for your time, Will. Always enjoy your analogies. Um, have a great weekend all, and we will see you again next week. All investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.